The Moth Podcast is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm Esti David, the Moth Social Media Coordinator, and your host for this episode. Today, we're going to be sharing stories about the magic of pets. And I know a little something about the links we'll go to for our furry friends. In January 2022, I decided to send out invites to my friends and family to my dog Mookie's Zoom Bark Mitzvah, a Jewish celebration of his coming of age. Now, Mookie wasn't 13 years old, but he had matured exponentially during the pandemic. From the moment Mookie entered our family, I knew I was going to throw him a bark mitzvah. The question was when, and what would it look like? And I mean, what even is a bark mitzvah? But the invites were out and I needed to just start building something. I chose a theme, put together an original song and a slideshow, organized speakers, wrote out a whole ceremony, and even consulted with my rabbi. On the eve of the bark mitzvah, I had a minor meltdown because I was worried that I was forcing everybody to come to a frivolous party for a 12-pound Shih Tzu poodle. I knew what I was doing was silly, but it was also my way of sharing my profound gratitude for Mookie and all of his support throughout quarantine. And it was about creating a space for the people in my life to share stories about how their pets had impacted them too. Now, is a bark mitzvah kosher? I still don't know. What I do know is that I felt connected to my spirituality, my community, and most importantly, Mookie, on that momentous day. So, in honor of National Adopt-A-Shelter Pet Day on April 30th, we'll be sharing two stories all about how pets bring joy to our lives. First up is Scott Sanders, who told this at a San Francisco Story Slam in 2013, where the theme of the night was envy. Here's Scott, live at the mall. Okay, my uh, tale of envy begins and ends in the Baby Doll Lounge, which was a topless bar in Tribeca in New York City around 1988 before people knew where and what Tribeca was. I had a dog. I lived in a loft a couple blocks away. And uh, I walked the dog off the leash, and the dog always ran into Baby Doll Lounge. The dancers in the Baby Doll Lounge weren't your typical topless dancers. They were all conceptual artists and painters and CBGB musicians. So the mode, the, the, like the ambiance in there was the opposite of what you imagine a topless bar would be like. But I would hang out there with the dog. We would get snacks and talk to the dancers. And um, on this day in 1988, I left the bar. And immediately, a woman rushed up to us and said, oh my god, I love that dog. <laughs> See, the thing was, I was an actor. I was on soaps. I did Off-Broadway, a bunch of bad films. And the thing about being an actor is, you know, it's like trying to play third base for the Yankees. So on a whim, I took uh, headshots of my dog and I sent it to the top animal agent. And immediately, my dog got work. <laughs> First it was with uh, print jobs with, uh, with, for Ralston Perina, and then he did movies with Mr. T. And then he became... He became the official Ralston Perina job, uh, campaign dog. But 
this is nothing. This is just the beginning. Uh, I go back to the loft and I get on my couch and we usually like shared a sandwich together. Jake with a, a beautiful golden retriever, uh, really beautiful. When the lights turned on, he thought it was Marilyn Monroe, but not really that smart. I turn on the TV and it's a commercial of uh, these beautiful women running in a meadow with long hair, sort of slow motion in, in perfect pre-dusk crisp light. My dog is running along with them and there's a voiceover in the commercial that says it's a Cartier commercial. My dog went from Ralston Perino to being one of the uh, involved in one of the most luxurious brands and the commercial theme was no diamonds, no love. K-N-O-W, no diamonds, no love. Anyway, um, Jake's agent was calling all the time. My agent rarely called. Uh, I finally got a gig where I had to do a uh, low-budget commercial for cable TV. It was for Drummond Dog Chow. I had to go to a, like a funky loft on West 26th Street. I had to wear a Dalmatian costume <laughs> with a uh, battery-operated tail and have this guy in an outlet mall golf shirt with stains on it yelling at me that I'm not saying the tagline, Drummond, because I'm worth it well enough. I proceed to, uh, you know, I slog my way through it. Uh, I'm having major envy. I mean, I like the money that I'm getting from my dog doing all this stuff, but uh, I was a serious actor, and it, you know. So uh, I take a, a cab ride home, and I pass a bus that has another ad, another display of no diamonds, no love with Jake the Golden Retriever. I get home because I was beginning to unravel. I was having some major issues with this. And I immediately slice up these, I, I take a knife and I tear up these pillows, huge pillows, and I shake them like crazy. Feathers go everywhere, it's quite lovely. And then I sit down against the wall and I share a sandwich with Jake. My girlfriend comes home and I say, you know, I, I can't believe what Jake did, you know? She says, I need therapy. Uh, you have no idea how it ramped up. The next step was, New York Post did an article, actor's dog uh, turns ham, gets all the bows. Then we were on the David Letterman show, not for stupid pet tricks, but to introduce an emerging dog star. My dog is so associated with wealth and, and, and luxury that Donald Trump relative hires my dog to be a ring bearer at one of his relatives' <laughs> weddings. And you have to understand, there's a little gizmo that they put on his, his tooth, and there's a Cartier box, and he goes down the aisle with, with a ring. The topper was... Cartier bought out a rival brand. They had the opportunity to ring the bell at the New York Stock Exchange, and my dog was chosen <laughs> to ring the fucking bell at the epi epicenter of global you know, power. And you have to imagine my dog shaking his head like he has a wild carcass in his mouth. And I am looking at him, and this whole experience, I am unraveling. So what I decide to do, I don't like the way that Cartier is, is marketing love. And in my twisted frame of mind, I decide to sabotage the campaign. 
I uh, print up these dog tails like t-shirts. I send them out to about several of the key decision makers, trendsetters in New York. I, from Pearl Paint, I get paints and I get, um, I make a stencil and over every ad I see for Cartier where it says no diamonds, no love, I uh, spray paint dog tails lie. <laughs> I send a, a, a diatri diatribe to uh, Terry Gross on Fresh Air. <laughs> I disguise my voice like, um, who's that guy? Stephen Hawking, it was Stephen Hawking. And the top was, uh, it's beginning, to, and, and the Cartier people are wondering what's going on, they're getting investigated as I'm getting more paranoid. Uh, <laughs> But the Cartier people invite us uh, uh, to uh, their ad agency because they're uh, redoing their campaign. Jake isn't allowed to shit in public. They change his name from Jake to uh, Beauregard. Uh, I feign sickness. I go, uh, I say I have to leave. I go back to the law the girlfriend. We go to the house that Jake bought for us in the Catskills. And Jake gets bit by a raccoon, and he gets an anaerobic infection, and three days later he dies. Aww. But he had a really good life, and we had a really good memorial service at the Baby Doll Lounge, and my son is named Jake. Thank you. That was Scott Sanders. Scott is an ex-actor, ex-New Yorker, who moved west 20 years ago. He is still wrestling with cross-cultural challenges. He never considers not jaywalking. Scott has told stories in multiple Moth Grand Slams and Moth Main Stage events. His website is grosslynormallife.com. If you'd like to see pictures of Scott's dog and Mookie's bark mitzvah, then head to our website, themoth.org/extras. In another life, I like to think that I would have been a really great agent to dog actors. Up next is a story from Noriko Rosted. She told us at a New York City community showcase in 2019, where the theme of the night was Across the Divide. Here's Noriko, live at the mall. Okay, uh, so my husband and I were very excited about our upcoming trip to Italy. But uh, we had a big issue which is our cat, Spencer. <laughs> He's a two-year-old male tabby cat. We adopted him from a local animal shelter when he was a kitten. And we love him. He's like our child. So we are like, what are we going to do with Spencer? Uh, we just relocated from Japan to New York. We don't have any family, you know, friends here yet. So, and uh, the only person we could think of was 15-year-old American boy who's living in the same apartment building. We see him here and there doing some errands for the residents to make small money. Uh, but uh, he was, he's a little bit quirky, typical teenage boy, looks like only thinking about girls and football. And his hair is loose, his clothes is loose, his attitude is loose. <laughs> and we are like, oh, forget about it. We cannot leave our Spencer to the kid. 
we have to find a decent and responsible adult. And one person crossed my mind. She's Japanese, like me. I met her through a library program, and I remember she mentioned she loves cats, and she used to be a vet. And she always looking for a volunteer opportunity at animal shelter to take care of cats. So one day I walked up to her at the library, saying it was a really awkward moment. But uh, look, I know this is a huge favor, and definitely you can say no. But would you be interested in taking care of Spencer while I'm away? She said immediately, oh, I'd love to. This is going to be great. I was like, what a generous person. And so I went to an apartment in Upper West to drop off Spencer. And when I entered the apartment, the four walls were pictures and paintings of cats all over. <laughs> And on the shelves were a quite variety of funny cat's figures. It was a little bit too much, but clearly she loves cats, which is good. And uh, so I explained about food, which is only dry food, two times a day, and uh, the amount is one cup per meal, uh, no snack, and she said, oh, that's quite simple and easy, no problem. And I thanked her and flew to Italy with my husband. Day one, I got text message from her saying, Spencer is doing great. He ate food and he did both things in his toilet. <laughs> and uh, everything's great. No, no worry. Please enjoy your vacation. She even attached a picture of Spencer. He's lying on the couch, and he looked very comfortable. <laughs> and day two, I got another text. I was like, wow, is she take, uh, sending me a daily report of Spencer? <laughs> I didn't even ask her. But I know this is so typical of Japanese. We are very detailed and hospitable people. I'm very happy that I asked her, and I opened the text. She said, uh, Spencer is a little bit strange. Uh, he didn't eat food. He's not coming out from under the bed. He's not moving. I didn't know what's going on, so I was trying to figure out. Uh, it has never happened before. But do you have any idea what the cause might be? And she replied, actually, he ate a tiny part of my socks. So to help digestion, I gave him seed oil. What is seed oil? And she continued further, by the way, the food amount that you give Spencer is too little. So I gave him wet food that I had at home. I was like, why did she do that? <laughs> we agreed with the instructions. So I said, 
in a polite way. Please don't give him anything but what he usually eats. And she responded back immediately, I know what cats need. I am used to be a vet. I have more experience than you. I was, what is wrong with her? <laughs> and uh, I exchanged many texts, and her tone was really escalating every text. And she was really attacking, attacking me. But uh, it's like hostage negotiation. <laughs> you still have to maintain certain level of cooperation or willingness. So, but at uh, one point, it went out of control. And I was really, really concerned about Spencer's safety. But I didn't know what to do. I mean, Italy, Spencer is in danger. My, my heart was pumping first. I was crying. I was so desperate that I had to reach out to the 15-year-old American boy. And I explained the long story and said, sorry, I know this is a lot to ask, but uh, is there any chance that you could retrieve Spencer? <laughs> and I knew he still was at school, so I waited. And an hour later, my phone beeped. It was from him. Uh, I opened the text very nervously. He said, sure, <laughs> just, just give me her address. I said, what? really? I said, you have no idea how much it means to me. You are my hero. <laughs> okay, so her address is this and this. He texted me back with emoji, a guy saluting. Got it. <laughs> uh, and he did it. He did. He went up to Upper West and retrieved Spencer from the lady and brought him back to Brooklyn and stayed with him until I came back home. So the guy who I thought was just uh, wanna be Justin Bieber <laughs> saved the day. And he's my hero to this day. <laughs> that was Noriko Roasted. Noriko was born and raised in Japan, but was always curious about the world at large. Moving to New York was a bit of a coincidence, but she enjoyed discovering the liberated nature of New York and is still carrying the mini New Yorker inside her, even now living in Germany. She works in the compliance field and lives with her Danish husband and their rescue cat. We aired this story a few years ago, and it touched a lot of people close to her. Noriko sent us a reflection on just that. Some years ago, the month first day of my story, when I came into my office the next day, I found out that my boss had heard my story. He's a New York lawyer, very serious, no-nonsense guy. Of all people, I would never expect him to be a moth fan. I've since left the company in New York and moved to Germany. Very recently, I got to know about his two RE passing. When I heard the news, 
somehow the first thing came to my mind when I thought about him was the month connection that we shared, and our little funny encounter that day in his office. I guess you never know who the story reaches and what memory can create. That's all for this episode. And remember, if you want to see some photos of the pets we've mentioned, including a shot of my dog's bark mitzvah, be sure to go to themoth.org/extras or follow us on social media. From all of us here at the Moth, have a story-worthy week. In addition to her work on the Moth's marketing team, Esti David is a performer, writer, and dog mom. A fan of all things creative and story-related, Esti is also a storytelling coach and graphic designer for the Hamantaschen Monologues, an annual Jewish storytelling event. This episode of the Moth Podcast was produced by Sarah Austin Janess, Sarah Jane Johnson, and me, Mark Sollinger. The rest of the Moth's leadership team includes Sarah Haberman, Catherine Burns, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Jennifer Birmingham, Kate Tellers, Marina Cloutier, Suzanne Rust, Brandon Grant, Leanne Gully, and Aldi Casa. All Moth stories are true, as remembered by the storytellers. For more about our podcast, information on pitching your own story, and everything else, go to our website, themoth.org. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org.